Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to start a new study today. You know, I normally preach through books of the Bible, but every now and then, I, when I sense that there is a need in a specific area, I am, will do a series. And actually, this series came out of a question that was asked in Sunday school. We were going through Second Corinthians, and we talked about what the Apostle Paul said about what motivated him, and what motivated him was what he described as the terror of the Lord about the fact that one day he would stand before God and have to give an account for his life and face a judgment. And so the question was asked, which is a legitimate question because it almost seems kind of contradictory, that if I have salvation and if I have forgiveness, what is this stuff about a future judgment? Is that a question in your mind? should be. What is this if I have forgiveness... And I have salvation in Christ. What is he talking about when he says that you and I as believers are going to stand before God and be judged? I decided that really the implications of this study are profound for all of our lives because all of us need to recognize that while we're not talking about a judgment that leads to death and hell because that's been taken care of, through the cross of Jesus and salvation. There is an emphasis in the Bible and outright passages that talk about that you and I as Christians will face a judgment. And so what we're going to do is spend the next five or six weeks talking about the judgment. And the judgment really is broken down in two parts. It's a present judgment. Whether you realize it or not, you are presently being judged by God. And we'll spend two weeks talking about that. And then we'll spend two weeks talking about the future judgment. About the judgment that will take place when we go before Christ. Whether he comes for us or whether we die and go to be with him. And the judgment that we face. So we're going to spend four weeks on the present and then the future judgment. But before we get to that issue of the judgment itself, we have to kind of look at the whole issue of our thinking right now. And really, the whole issue of our incorrect thinking. What I want to talk about today, and what we're going to look at in Romans, is the whole issue of how we that is, myself and you, have adopted some incorrect thinking in our mind that because of salvation, we can go back to our old life without any understanding of how we've been set free. So I want you to notice with me chapter 6, and then we're going to talk about some different things. Paul says this, Romans, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that many of us, as were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through the baptism into death, 
that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God to be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which you were delivered. Having been set free from sin, you also became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weaknesses of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin... You were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and to the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I have up here a card. It was given to me the day I was saved. And here's what it says. This card allows the bearer who has trusted in Jesus Christ to sin as much as he wants because it's all been paid for by the blood of Jesus. No, actually it's my dividend mile card. The sad thing is is that many Christians today think they have a card like that. Many Christians today think that they can presume upon the grace of Jesus and do whatever they want because they've been forgiven. They have salvation. Now before you react and say, well, that's pretty dumb, George. That's pretty stupid. How could anybody think that way? Well, the reality is is that a lot of Christians are operating under some incorrect thinking. And it's reflected in two different thoughts, which we see in verse 1 and verse 15. And I'll give you these thoughts here. It's basically a thought that we have a license to sin. Now, all of us are familiar with licenses, aren't we? We have a license to drive our vehicle, correct? 
all of us around July go and buy our license to what? Hunt. And then we make applications for another license to hunt certain other things. And so we're all familiar with licenses. And so in a lot of ways we think that when we became a Christian, because of forgiveness, because of forgiveness of past, present, and future sins, we now have a license to do what we want to do. And so what happens is, is we develop a line of thinking that's reflected in two thoughts, which we'll see first of all here. The first one is this, that God's forgiveness allows us to do what we like. Notice what he says in verse 1. He, he phrases it as a question. And he says this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Some of the believers in Rome at that time were wrestling with this thought that because of the grace of Jesus, because of the salvation that He has given them, because of the forgiveness that is available through His sacrifice on the cross, then, hey, the more I sin, the more I'm forgiven. Wonderful! And so that with that thought comes this concept that God's forgiveness allows me to do what I want to do. I just need to, quote, get my card and just say, hey, it's been taken care of. The bank account on the blood of Jesus goes on forever. There's no end. And that's the way we think. And so that's that license to sin attitude. It's kind of there that, you know, I'm a Christian I know I'm not doing right, but hey, God's forgiveness allows me to do it. I know I'm okay. And that's some dangerous, dangerous thinking. And the sad thing is, is that every one of us, including myself, falls into that trap. So we have that first line of thinking, that first incorrect line of thinking that God's forgiveness allows us to do what we like. Because I'm saved. It's taken care of. I know I shouldn't be doing this, but hey, Jesus has forgiven me. But I want you to notice how he responds to that. Verse 2, he says, certainly not. Some translations say, God forbid, or may it never be so. Paul's saying that that line of thinking is incorrect. The other line of thinking is this, that it's okay to sin now and then. Look with me at verse 15. It's okay to sin now and then. Notice what verse 15 says. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? See, the line of thinking now was that they would say, okay, well, Paul, I understand that, that God's forgiveness, but look, we're no longer under the law. Jesus came to abolish the law. Jesus didn't set up a whole bunch of rules that we had to live by. We can do what we want to do. And it's okay then for me to sin every now and then. Hey, you wonder how it's reflected? It's like when you know you're going to do wrong and you know that God doesn't want you to do it and you, and you have this presumptuous thought, well, I can always ask for forgiveness. Isn't that interesting? You do that? I'll just ask for forgiveness later. Now, that won't work with your wife. That won't work with your husband. It sure didn't work with your parents. But for some reason, because of the blood of Jesus, we think it works with God. And the whole attitude is is that we get to this place where we say, it's okay to sin now and then. But I want you to notice what he says there, verse 15. Again, same word, strong word, but our English translations don't bring it out except for the fact that he put an exclamation point there. 
Certainly not. Another way of saying is, may it never be so. It's not right, he says, to think that way. So what are we saying here? You don't have a card. You don't, because of the blood of Jesus, have a right to just go and do what you want to do and presume upon the fact that, hey, I'm going to be forgiven from Jesus. I don't need to worry about it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if you think that way, and it's real easy to start thinking that way, you are going to be in for a rude awakening. So what do we see then? What does this passage tell us then? How do we correct our thinking? And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. I'm not going to spend my time talking about us having this card. Oh, I want to spend the rest of our time in preparation for the issue of God's judgment in our lives. And what does that mean? I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the attitude we should have towards sin. I want to talk about what should be our thinking now because of the forgiveness of Christ. Not that I have a license, but that rather I have a new life. And what does that mean? So I want you to notice with me verses 2 through 4 as we look at a proper understanding. Notice what he says. How shall we who die to sin live any longer therein? Or do you not know that as many as you were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So here's what we need to see. First of all, if we're going to have a proper understanding and we've talked about this one before, but I will bring it up again, because we always have to bring it up, is this. We need to recognize our present standing with God. Recognize our present standing with God. Do you understand, let me just put it this way, do you understand who you are as a Christian? Do you understand what salvation means to your life? See, if I'm not going to be dominated by this incorrect thinking that says that I can just do whatever I want to do, I'm going to be forgiven by sin, or it's okay for me to sin now and then and have that presumptuous attitude that I've got that license to do it, you've got to have a proper understanding, and the proper understanding first begins with an understanding of who you are right now as a Christian. And here's what he says in verse 2, so that we can understand what he's saying. He says this, How shall we who have died to sin, live any longer therein. Here's the reality. How many of you sin? Be honest. How many of you realize that you are dead to the power of sin? Be honest. Just a few of you. See, there's a difference. All of us sin. All of us have sins, plural, S. Because we inhabit a body that has been trained in sin. See, before you became a Christian, you were dominated, the Bible says, by the power of sin. Sin dominated your life. But when you became a Christian, you died to that power. That sin does not have to have power over you. You now have the ability to say no to sin. How many of you recognize that? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with an addiction. Through Christ, do you realize you have the power to say no to that addiction? Do you realize that? It's got to begin there with a change of thought in your mindset because so many of us, and I've seen it, I have buddies, I remember I, it was a time when I smoked cigarettes and the, the, 
the thing happens is, is, boy, that's a powerful addiction. And I remember as a teenager, as a 19-year-old at the University of South Carolina, when I came to Christ, and you know, and being in South Carolina, you know, the number one bumper crop in the Carolinas is tobacco. And and I remember the struggle with that, and and if it wasn't the reality that I'm a new person in Jesus, I probably couldn't have stopped. And I've seen folks, and, and all the time they're trying to stop. They're trying to stop, but they can't stop. And here's why they can't stop, because they haven't come to the place of recognizing that they have the ability to stop. They live in a state of defeat, saying, I'll never be able to overcome this. And he says, look, if you're going to get rid of this mindset that says that it's okay to sin, you're going to get rid of this mindset that says that God's forgiveness allows me to do whatever I want to do, you've got to recognize you're standing in Jesus, and right now as you're standing in Jesus, you've died to sin. You can say no to it. You don't have to live there. Isn't that an awesome thought? I mean, I want you to think about that for a moment. Because, look, all of us are here. We all have our different struggles, don't we? I, let me just stop for a moment. I've got I to make sure you understand. There is nobody here who's perfect. And if you think you are, that's your sin problem. Did you hear me? Nobody here is perfect. And if you think you are, you got a pride issue. So the reality is is that all of us have the issues that we're dealing with in our life, but if we're going to overcome them and experience the victory that God has for us, especially in light of the fact of God's coming judgment, we need to recognize that because of Jesus, what our present standing is. What our present standing is. He gives us one other thought here, and that is we are to live the new life that we have been given. What's he saying here? Notice with me. Or verse 3. Or do you not know that many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, verse 4 says, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. What's he saying? If you were baptized, you know, you were up here in the baptismal pool or the lake or wherever, and the preacher, the pastor, when he baptized you, you know, said, you know, I, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he said, buried in the likeness of his death. That picture of death, of being buried. And then he says the words, and I say the words, raised to what? Walk in newness of life. The picture of the resurrection in your life. See, when you became a Christian, the old you died. One of the things, we don't have funerals for the old you dying because immediately with the old you dying, there's a new birth, the Bible says. There's a new you, a resurrection you, and you now have a new life to live. What makes it new? He's already told us. The power of sin has been broken. You don't have to live in bondage to it. So you've got to start having a proper understanding of who you are. You've got to start having a proper way of thinking about who you are. And can I tell you who you are? If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you are a new creature in Christ, no longer under the power of sin. You can say no to it in his strength and not live defeated. That's an awesome thought. That's an awesome thought. So he gives us a proper understanding. Now, because of that understanding then, he tells me what my response should be. He tells me how I should respond to this fact. See, when I have the incorrect thinking, when I'm thinking I can do whatever I want to do, God's forgiveness is there, I'll just do whatever I want to do, the incorrect response then is that I just keep on sinning with no thought to anything. 
But because I now have a proper understanding that God has freed me from the power of sin through the death of Jesus Christ and my identification with that death in coming and becoming a believer, I can now respond in the proper way. So here's what he tells us. First of all, look at verses 5 through 11. He tells us, Live as though you are dead to sin. Look at verse 5. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that we should no longer be the slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Here's what he's saying. What do you mean live as though I'm dead to sin? Let me explain it to you this way. Notice what the Apostle is saying there in those verses. He's saying to us that if we become a believer, we now have died to sin and he has released us from the bondage of sin. He's given us our emancipation. And see, if I'm going to understand my understanding of my new position in Jesus, I need to now start living as though I'm dead to sin. See, my friends, you and I, with our new understanding, shouldn't just say, well, you know, I'm going to sin, I might as well just go ahead, Jesus has forgiven me. I'd rather say no. He broke the power of that in my life. I can say no to that. And I can live differently. Because I'm dead to it now. It's no longer a part of me. I'm dead. The power of sin has been broken in my life. Oh yes, you will sin. And we understand that's the whole process of sanctification where we can become more and more like Christ. But you know what? You shouldn't have that mindset of saying, well, I just, I just have that problem and I'll never be able to overcome it. My dad beat me too many times. And, you know, we make excuses, don't we? But it's an attitude of proper response where we say, I don't have to live that way anymore. I'm different. He then goes on and says the proper response is this. Verse 12 through 14, notice what he says. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness of God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Here's the second point I want you to see of the proper response is, don't give in to the desires of your body. See, sin is a result of the desires of your body. You say, what are you talking about, George? Hey, go with me. Flip over to James chapter 1. James tells us how sin results. Sin just, just doesn't happen. Sin just does, You just don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to do this today. He says this, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when desire has conceived and it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. See, Paul, if you go back to Romans, is telling us that the proper response is, is that because I'm no longer under the bondage of sin or under the power of sin, I now not only need to not just act like I'm dead to it, I need to now recognize that I don't have to give in to the desires of my body which lead to it. And they lead to it, don't they? But don't give in, he says. Don't give in to the desires of your body. But then notice also finally he says, verse 16 through 23, choose to be the servant of righteousness, not sin. You've got to make a choice. 
You need to remove this incorrect thinking that says, I can just do whatever I want to do because I'm forgiven. Hey, I got the card. Here it is. I'm okay. You've got to choose. You've got to make the decision. You've got to make the decision that you're going to be a servant of righteousness, not of sin. Hey, can I, let me just stop for a moment before I get to the final three thoughts. Well, let me give you the first one first. Is your thinking wrong? Do you have the imaginary card? Let me paint a scenario to you, and we're going to see this in the coming weeks. One day you're going to stand before the awesome God of the universe. And when he says, why did you do that? Why could you not gain freedom over that? I gave you all the resources to say no to it. Why? You're not going to reach into your pocket at that time and say, well, I had the card. Because you're going to realize you didn't have the card. There was no card. And you still got to give an account for it. Now, you don't have to worry. You're not going to go to hell if you know Jesus. But the Bible does talk about it will affect your next life. In fact, we'll look at it here in about three weeks. It will affect the rewards you receive. And this is the scary thing. This is the scary thing that Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians. He said that when he judges their deeds, they will lose everything except that they were saved. They will have nothing. So, is your thinking incorrect? Do you think you've got that imaginary card? Do you think that you could just do what you want to do and just trust in the bank of Jesus to take care of it? Is your thinking wrong? Can I tell you? It is wrong. You just need to recognize it. It is wrong. The second, second thing I want you to know is this. Understand the seriousness of sin. See, the reason why we start thinking that we have a card like this, the reason why we bank on the bank of Jesus and his forgiveness is because we don't understand the seriousness of sin. Here, let me tell you how, sin, how serious sin is. The Bible over and over and over from Genesis to Revelation tells you that the result of sin always leads to death. Period. Death. The reason why we experience physical death is because of sin. Because Adam and Eve sinned. And then ultimately, sin results in spiritual death. In order for you to be saved, that satisfaction of death had to be satisfied by somebody else. Here's how serious Sin is, it put Jesus on the cross so that you didn't have to experience the second death. It's serious. It's not just a trivial thing. It's not just, oh, it's a family tradition. And there are those who have family sins. It's an issue that we need to recognize that it's serious because it put him on the cross. And for me to presume upon that, the writer of Hebrews says, it's like I'm putting him on the cross afresh every time. We don't have an understanding of the seriousness of sin in our lives. So is your thinking wrong? And do you understand the seriousness of sin? And so finally, here's what he says. And here's the encouragement. This is where we spend most of our time. He says this. Live out your new life. Look, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you have come to him recognizing that he died for your sin and you go to him by faith and say, Lord, there's nothing I can do for it myself. You are the only one who can bring forgiveness in my life. And you've given your life to Jesus Christ and he enters into it. He made you a new person. So begin to live that way. And as we look at the issue of how God judges us over the next four to five weeks, it's for a reason. Ultimately, all actions of God, even His judgment, 
are because He loves us. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.